Hey, welcome to Oasis Singles. My name is Pastor Dave, and I'm so excited you're here. By the way, this site is not just about Christian dating service, reviews, and so forth, but it's also about life advice, all things Christian single. We have articles, we have interactive ways that you can get in touch with each other, and we also have podcasts that are all about the Christian life. I hope you enjoy our site, and I hope you enjoy the podcast you're about to listen to right now. God bless. truth about dating. You know, we had a funny clip just a second ago, and that was exciting, and that was fun, and there was a little frustration in that clip, what Carrie was going through and all that, and then Peely just has sung this song, which is a little more somber, and you know, that's just the way dating is, isn't it? Dating can be so, whoa, exciting, and it can be so, whoa, frustrating. It can be heartwarming, and it can be heartbreaking. It can inspire us, and it can bring us to our knees. That's what dating's like. It's ups and it's downs. It's nerve-wracking. You know, dating is almost like public speaking or going to the dentist. It's nerve-wracking. It can really rattle us. This morning, we want to talk about the truth about dating. You know what the truth is about dating? There's not a lot of dating going on in the Bible. That's the truth. There is not a lot of data go- dating going on in the Bible. You know, I'm speaking on a topic, and I told the staff this week, I said, you know, this is the last time. This is the last time I'm talking about dating. There's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, I know nothing about dating. I've never dated. Krista and I went on our first date. I was 12 years old. We took a hiatus for four years, and uh, we started dating uh, when I was 16, and I've never dated anybody else. Got married when I was still a child. I was 19 years old, and I hope my kids never do that. I don't know anything about dating. So, you know, I think when I'm talking about dating, I go to the Christian bookstore, I go to the single section, I get out book after book after book after book. And what I learned to begin doing is I would stand there in the bookstore and I'd have, there'd be 20 books there, and I would just fan through them real quick. And I I would pick out the ones that had any scriptural references in them. And I would go through 10, 15 books and there'd not be one scriptural reference in there. And these books about dating and a singles Christian bookstore. And there's a reason why to that. There is no dating going on in the Bible. Why is that? Does anybody know why there's no dating going on in the Bible? Anybody? Want to venture a guess? Arranged marriages. So for those of you who said arranged marriage, that's why. There was arranged marriages going on in the Bible. Now, let me ask you this question, everybody. Um, out of arranged marriages. So you got the kind of the normal United States way of doing marriage that you date somebody and you date and you date and you date around and then eventually maybe you get married, okay? So you got that way of doing it and you got the arranged way of marriage where parents get together and they arrange the marriages. So when they ask those two different couples, those two different sides, okay, what side do you think has the most satisfaction in marriage, the most fulfillment, the traditional American way or the prearranged way? Anybody want to venture a guess? Is that a problem? You know, a lot of times in the prearranged marriages, these people haven't even laid eyes on each other, everybody. Haven't even laid eyes on each other. They meet the day of their wedding. And they get married. And they say they're just as satisfied. Now, what do we say in America? I don't want to get into this a lot right now because I think I want to save this for next week or the week after. All right? But what do we say in America? Look, you know, ain't no way I'm going to marry him. There's no way I'm going to marry her until I look underneath the hood. 
I'm going to drive them around the block a little while. I'm going to figure them all out. No, I'm do- dead serious. I want to live with them. I want to sleep with them. I want to do everything with them because I'm not going to marry them until I do. Because if I do all that, if I check them out, you know, if I get underneath the hood and I look at the spark plugs and all that kind of stuff, like if I do that, then I know what I'm really in for. Well, what's going on? Because the arranged marriages are happier than the ones where everybody's underneath the hood and pulling the, you know, the engine out and checking it all out. This is a problem. This is a problem. So, I want to think about this. I want to think about maybe, maybe with marriages, maybe we need to roll back all the way into the dating and say, you know what, if we have a problem in marriage, maybe it doesn't just start in marriage, maybe it goes all the way back into our dating process. This is what I want to try to do this morning. So, I want to read your scripture verse. It's Proverbs chapter 30. This is what it says. There are four things that are too mysterious for me. All right, so here's, he's setting you up right there. There's four things. Very mysterious, the Bible says. And here's the four things. An eagle flying in the sky. All right, that's great. That's pretty mysterious. A snake moving on a rock. A ship finding its way over the sea. And check this last one out. And a man and a woman falling in love. No wonder we have a problem with dating and marriage. Even the Bible says the whole thing is mysterious. Men and women, we are so different. How can we actually get along in this 24-7 relationship, whether that's marriage or that's you know, dating and all that stuff to go along with that? You know, I read something uh, not too long ago. They had a big computer conference, and so what they did is they got all the, all the men together at this conference, and they got all the women together at this conference. They pulled them into separate rooms and said, we want you computer experts to tell us, are computers male or are they female? And you know what all the females said? The females said that they are decidedly male. That, that, the, that the, the computers they look at are male and, and, and then vice versa on the other side. So the men said they're definitely female because no one but their creator can understand their logic. <laughs> their natural language is communicated between one another but totally incomprehensible to anyone else. Number three. Even the smallest mistake will be stored in long-term memory <laughs> for instant retrieval. I don't know anything about it. I didn't know that. I went over that one with Derek. I said, you know, do you know anything? He says, oh, yeah, Becky. You know one of the things about being, a senior, about being a senior pastor is you take all the hits, you know. If there's something wrong, you take all the hits. So... What I like to do is every now and then, I like to make trouble for Derek. I like to cause problems for him because it just kind of balances things out a little bit. So, that's good. Uh, All right, and then last reason why is once you commit to one, this is uh, the men saying about the females, once you commit to one, you find yourself spending half your paycheck on all the accessories that go with it. Now, uh, females said they're definitely male. They said they're definitely male because, number one, in order to get their attention, you have to turn them on. Number two, they have lots of data, but they're still clueless. Number three, they are supposed to help you solve problems, but half the time they are the problem. Number four, and finally, as soon as you commit to one, you realize that if you had just waited a little longer, you could have had a better model. Okay. Uh, So dating and this whole deal. Anybody here ever been skydiving before? Anybody at all been skydiving? All right, we've got some skydivers here. That's, that's great. 
uh, do you know what the death rate there is on skydiving? <laughs> yeah, the rate is actually one out of every 100,000 people. It's pretty high. I thought it was like one out of a million maybe or one out of 10 million. One out of every 100,000 people that jump out of that plane, they crash and they die. Those are pretty you know, tough statistics. Now, what if I told you this? What if I told you that one out of two didn't make it? One out of two. Would you jump? Would anybody here jump if, it was a, if you had a 50-50 chance? Patrick would jump. I, we have, I don't get this. I, you, you would jump with a 50-50 chance. Okay. All right. Uh, we have that list of Christian counselors that we need to... We had somebody last night that said the same thing. Oh, yeah, 50-50 chance. I'm jumping out of the plane. I don't get that. That is crazy. All right. Um, so... You, you have a 50-50 chance with marriage, it seems to be. And so, again, let's roll this back. And here's my best thought about it. Again, I know nothing. Please don't look at me as an expert. I've got one thought here about dating. I've prayed a lot about this. I've thought a lot about this. Here's the one thing I want to theme I want to hit on today. Stop dating mates and start dating friends. Stop dating mates and start dating friends. Quit wigging yourself out, getting up every morning, flipping on your radar screen and looking for mate, 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 beep, 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 beep. You know, don't do that. That's way too much pressure for us as human beings to go through. I mean, when you meet somebody, you don't think, oh, is he going to be a good mate or is she going to be a good mate? And how can I attract this mate to me or what can I, you know, that's way too much, everybody. It, it, you know what? Not only is it way too much pressure, but it actually changes who you are as a person. So, you know, maybe in the dating scene, we're so jacked up with all this stuff flowing through us about trying to put on a good front to the person and trying to get a mate that we're actually not being ourselves. And if the other person on the other side of the table is doing the exact same thing, then you've got two people getting married, right? And they really haven't been themselves the whole way long, and now they're married. And you better believe all of a sudden, you know, after I do, they become the person they really are. And then you say, oh, my goodness, we have a problem. We have a problem. So listen, forget about the mating thing today. Forget about the mating thing. Think about friendship. Think about making friends and dating those friends. And so if you'll work with me, this is what I really want to talk about this morning. Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse number 16, says this so well. This is my lover, this is my friend. This is my lover, this is my friend. Talking about this husband and wife situation where they are best friends. Now you all tell me, what do you think make up the best marriages? The best marriages are best friends. Man, if you're married to somebody and that person is your best friend here this morning, you got it made. You have the makings for an awesome, fantastic marriage because the best marriages are made up of best friends. 50% of the households in the United States of America today are now unmarried households. They're single households. 90% of single adults in the United States of America say their idea of a happy life is to one day get married. So we have a lot of singles in America, and then we have 90% of those singles who actually one day, it's in their mind that one day we're going to get married. Now, I want to take care of a few miscellaneous topics before we really get into the marriage thing, I mean, to the dating thing really hard here, okay? All right, first of all, you do not have to be godly. You, don't, you do not have to be married in order to be godly or great in the eyes of God. Let me say that again. You do not have to get married in order to be godly or great in the eyes of God. If you're feeling pressure here this morning 
from a church or from the Bible or for Aunt, from Aunt Harriet who keeps asking you, why aren't you married? I just want to say this. You never have to get married. And you don't. You definitely do not. I hear people say this all the time. You know what, church? It's all about married people. It's all about married people. No, wrong. That's not true. Maybe some churches try to make it that way, but that's not the way it is in the Bible. You think about being great in the eyes of God. Some theologians think the Apostle Paul is the greatest Christian that ever lived. You know what the Apostle Paul was? He was what? Single. He was single. He's probably one day he was married. But when he wrote 1 Corinthians, he was decidedly single. We don't know what happened to the wife, but he was decidedly single. Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest person that was ever born. You know what John the Baptist was? He was single. How about Jesus? Jesus was pretty great in the Bible. You know what Jesus was? Jesus was single. So I just want to... All right. Now, read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 sometime. Take up 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and read through it. It's going to tell you a couple things. First thing it's going to tell you is, is that being single is not a curse. It's actually an asset to the kingdom of God. It's an asset to the kingdom of God. And then it goes on to tell you that marriage brings up extra problems. Yeah. If you want to know some of those extra problems, look for the wedding rings around the room, you know. Like the guy on the screen, you know, that took off the wedding ring. Look for some of the wedding rings around the room and ask them, what are those extra problems? And see if you don't get an earful. All right, so we're not, we're not in need of mates, everybody, in my estimation. We're in need of friends. We are not in need of mates. We are in need of friends. And here is how you make some more friends. All right? Number one, show yourself friendly. Number one, show yourself friendly. Now, Peely just sang the song a few minutes ago, you know, are you ready for love? You know, I'm ready for love. Here's my question to you. Are you ready for friendship? Are you really, really, really ready for friendship? Bob, Bible says, Proverbs 18 says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Are you in a position for friendship? Is that where you are? Are you ready? You know, a lot of people... Uh, blame God because they don't have a mate or they blame this city, Washington, D.C. Oh, Washington, D.C. is a terrible place to find a mate. You know, you blame and blame and all kinds of stuff, all right? How about in a healthy way, not in an unhealthy way where you point back at yourself. You know, sometimes we do that. We say, I'm just, I'm terrible. I'm ugly. I have no gifts. I have, you know, we do what we beat ourselves up. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about turning it back at yourself and taking a serious look at your own reality. Do you realize as human beings, all of us, me included, have a real problem with figuring out our own reality, right? Me, my own self. That's why the Apostle Paul writes in the Scripture, he says, you know what? If I judge myself, if I assess myself, I think, hey, I'm pretty good. So what I do is I go to God and say, God, would you help me? Holy Spirit, would you help to help me assess my own self and figure out my own reality? This, this is what I'm talking about here. We have to do this. Now, sometimes people come to me and they say, you know, very upset, very, very, why hasn't God given me a mate? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, why don't you change a few things about yourself? <laughs> there could be a few things, possibly, <laughs> that need to be changed. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, why do you say to your brother, let me take this little piece of dust out of your eye? Look at yourself first, Jesus says. You still have that big piece of wood in your own eye. Maybe you need an attitude adjustment, a reality adjustment. I want to talk a little bit later, a little bit later, I want to talk about some ways in which you can um, kind of understand your own reality a little bit better. All right? I'm going to do that towards the end. But for now, pray, right? 
ask lots of questions. Maybe read, take a long look at yourself first, ask God to help you, help you to see your own reality and who you really are. Are you really being friendly? Okay? So if this is if the best way to, you know, kind of deal with this dating situation is about friendship, are you a friendly person? You know, you think you might be friendly, but is there like this big neon sign right over top of your face that says, no vacancy, go on to the next hotel, don't stop by this hotel. You know, some of us think, oh, I'm so friendly, I don't know why I don't have friends, I don't have dates, and everybody else is thinking, oh my gosh, Lord have mercy, you know, it's a closed book. No coffee or donuts here, go on down to the next shop. Okay, you really need to look at your own self, and we have a hard time doing that. We do, I do, I do have a difficult time seeing my own reality. There was a guy back on July the 6th, 1999. His name was Daniel Dukes. Now, Daniel had a problem with his own reality. You see, Daniel went to SeaWorld down in Orlando, Florida. And when they closed up the place, he hid in like a bathroom somewhere. And after the place was all closed up and everybody left, he snuck out of that bathroom. You know what Daniel did? Daniel jumped in the tank with a five-ton killer whale. You know, the big Shamu down there? Now, they didn't have the security cameras, so they could, didn't see exactly what happened. When they arrived the next morning and they opened up SeaWorld, there was Daniel. His dead, lifeless body was draped across Tilikums, that's the name of the whale's back. He was dead. Now, what was Daniel's problem? Daniel thought that he was a five-ton killer whale trainer, and he wasn't. He wasn't. He was out of touch with his own reality, and he was operating on something. Do we do that? Now, that's a gross example of something. But do we do that? Are we operating in this world and wondering why there's so many problems, is yet we have a hard time kind of seeing our own reality? We really have to look at ourselves first and figure out, you know, are we friendly people? All right, here's the second thing. Look for love. We've been talking in the first four weeks of this series, you know, we've been analyzing 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Look for those things, everybody. When you're looking for friends, look for those things. What is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. Look for people along those lines. Galatians chapter 5 says, what the Holy Spirit produces in our lives is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Look for people with those. Those are the kind of friendships you want to get into. Look for love. Number three, run from hot tempers and wrong motives. And the Bible is very clear here. Run from people with hot tempers and wrong motives. Proverbs 22. Don't make friends with quick-tempered people. I think that's pretty clear, right? So, uh, you know, if you're in a friendship with somebody, definitely if it could possibly go towards, you know, something more serious, and you're in a friendship with somebody who has a really quick temper, you need to get out of that friendship. You need to tell them, you know, if they're just really gone crazy with this quick temper, they need to go and get some help. What you do not want to do is you do not want to marry somebody who has an outrageous quick temper, a really impatient, quick-tempered person. This is a problem, and it will be explosive in your relationship. So the Bible says don't make friends with a quick-tempered person. It also tells us not to have wrong motives. James chapter 2, the Bible denounces wrong motives in friendships. You must not give the best seat to the one in fancy clothes and tell the one who is poor to stand at the side or to sit on the floor. Now, sometimes we look at somebody in a dating relationship, right, and we say, oh, man, she's a knockout. Ha, I want to get her, okay? Now, some guys, uh, you know, some guys are so base and so animalistic that they actually feel that way. This is what I've been told. So, 
you can't allow that. You can't allow that to rule the day. You have to watch those wrong motives. You can't go after somebody because they're popular or they got a lot of money or they're you know, super talented. You, you can't do that for those wrong motives. You have to pursue people in friendship to just to be friends with them but not for wrong motives. And the Bible denounces that like all over the place. All right, here's, here's number four. Break your routine, everybody. Break your routine. If you're wondering why you're not meeting new people, maybe it's because you keep doing the same old thing all the time. And we have to break our routines. You know what I think? I think routine is the enemy of great marriages. We get into a marriage and we just get into this rut. And we just keep, and we never break it to do something new. I think, it's, I think routine is the enemy of great businesses. It's the enemy of great workouts. You know what they tell people who like do bodybuilding and all that kind of stuff? They say, vary your routine. Break your routine. Do something different. It's, it, it's the enemy of great churches. <laughs> We're doing the same thing. We've always done it this way. We ain't changing, right? So we get into this rut. And you know what I think? I think God is really, really bored by routine. And he wants us to do something new. Revelation 21 says this, I am making everything new. And you can find all kinds of verses in the scriptures about how God likes to do new stuff. So, listen, if you're wondering, you know, how can I meet some new people? I never meet new people. How can I make new friends? Well, how about breaking your routine? How about doing something different with your life? You live, let's say, you live in a condo here. A lot of people live in condos. Have you ever been to the condo meeting? You ever been to the social event that they have there? You know, do you go to a gym? If you go to a gym, do you always go at the same time or you to break it to maybe to, you know, meet somebody? You know, what could you do to actually break your routine to do something different? I watch every week a lot of people here at Grace Community Church come to the same service, sit in the same seat, talk to the same people, and wonder why they're not meeting anybody new. I don't know. You could, you could break that routine a little bit. You could actually stretch yourself a little bit, push yourself a little bit, do something new. You might... You might enjoy it. You might enjoy it. So break your routine. Do something new, okay? Uh, you know, there's about 200 singles, at least 200 singles here at Grace Community Church. And if you're single and you don't know anybody new, I, you know, just quick question. I mean, how many of those 200-plus singles do you know here at Grace? Are you actually getting out and doing something, making friends and all that kind of good stuff? Okay. Um, number five, break your stereotypes. Sometimes we have this really critical, controlling, narrow view of who we're going to be friends with. Now, I can't be friends with this person, that person, that kind of stuff. You know what? Jesus wasn't that way at all. I, I don't have a lot of patience for people who just have this extreme, narrow, narrow, narrow view. You know, when I was in Bible college, I was in college with a lot of guys and girls, and you know, they could only learn from a certain type of person. They didn't think if, you know, if that person kind of didn't fit their stereotype, then that person had nothing to offer them. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus was out there, man. He was out just kind of hanging out with everybody, being friends with everybody, didn't have this rigid... And we need to do that as people. We need to do that with our friendships. Look at this, Matthew chapter 11. It says, Jesus is speaking. He says, this is what you guys keep saying about me. He says, you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard. He is a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, why is that so important? He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Because everybody else who was a rabbi back in Jesus' day would never be a friend with a tax collector or a sinner or on and on and on it goes. Because they had very very rigid, very tight, very controlled areas of who and what they would be friends with. You follow me? And you might be surprised. 
You might say, you know what, I'm never going to go out with a guy who, and you fill in the blanks, or I'm never going to go out with a girl who, fill in the blanks, whatever those things are. And lo and behold, maybe one day you go out with somebody like that, and you might be surprised at how well they match up with you. I was talking this past week with somebody, and they said that they knew somebody. They went out with a really great guy one time, but this person was really into to clothing and looks and this kind of stuff. And on their first date with this guy, they looked down, the guy had a hole in his sock. Never went out with that guy again. Never, ever went out with that guy again. And that was a great guy. So what I'm saying is, do you have really tight views about that? And maybe you need to break out and do something new. All right, here's the last one. Get in line with God. Get in line with God on this. Now, here's the thing. You might be here this morning. You might say, you know what, John? You're talking all about making friends. Don't make, don't make mates and make friends. But here's, the reality. here's my reality on this, John. I don't want any more friends. I don't want to be friendly. You know, I have the no vacancy sign out there for a reason. There's no vacancy. Don't get around me. Don't worry. And people say to me all, you know, to the time, you know, I want to, I want to have, I want to have a mate. I want to this kind of stuff. And you know, but the no vacancy sign is here. Let me, let me, let me say this. It is God's will for every single one of our lives to be friendly. This is God's will for us. You want to know what God's will is for your life? God's will is for you to be friendly and to have friends. I have no idea if it's God's will for you ever to get married in your life. There's no biblical foundation for you getting married. You hear me? If you're here this morning saying, you know what? I am very angry with you, God, because you have not sent me a mate. I don't know if God's ever going to send you a mate. And a lot of times, maybe some of that has to go back on us. Maybe we need to go out there and actually go out and get a mate and be wise and follow some of the principles that are in the Bible. Let me show you a few things here. Genesis 2.18, first negative statement ever given in the Bible. I've talked about this before. I want to talk about it in a little different way this morning. God says, it is not good for the man to be alone. That's the first negative statement issued in the Bible up until that point. Everything had been good. God said it's good. I made birds, they were good. I made fish, they were good. I made you know, mountains, they were good. Everything's good. All of a sudden, God says something's not good. And what's not good is Adam doesn't have a friend. I'm going to make him a friend. Now, I've preached about this before, and I've actually had people come to me. Very heartbreaking. And I've I, I got to tell you... Um, it breaks my heart. It really does. When people come to me and they say, you know, I just, I can't find that person. And I so want to find that person. And I, I you know, if you're here and you're in that boat this morning, I've got to tell you, I pray for you. All the time. I pray for every single at Grace who really wants to be in a meaningful relationship and move towards marriage that you would find that. I really, really do. If I have people come to me and they say, you know what, it says it right there. It's not good to be alone. I'm alone, I'm not married, what's going on, God's word isn't true, or God's angry, God's mad at me. I just want to clear something up here. This scripture here is about friendship, it's not about marriage. You notice that? We get that confused sometimes. The fact that Adam was alone, God didn't make him, God didn't make him a wife, God made him a friend. It says that God created them male and female. God didn't create husband and wife. The scripture does not say, I created a husband and I created a wife and then God presided over ceremony. He didn't do that. He created a man and he created a woman and he says, now you have a friendship. So what I'm saying to you, it is God's will for you to have friends. This is God's will for your life. And we need to get out there and have as many friends as we possibly can. Four quick things to wrap this up. Number one, and I've talked about this uh, a little bit already, smile. Smile. 
you know what, you want to put out the vacancy sign, come on in, we have a warm cup of coffee here and some donuts, stop on by and say hello, smile. It, it do, really does a world of good. It does a world of good. It's very, uh, you know, it draws people in. Proverbs 15:30 says it. A friendly smile makes you happy. Not only is it going to make you happy, it's going to make other people happy. Okay? Second thing, think friendly. Philippians chapter 4 says this. Finally, my friends, keep your minds on whatever is true, pure, right, holy, and friendly, and proper. Think friendly thoughts. Get yourself engaged in that. Don't pull away from that. Think friendly thoughts. Follow wisdom. James 3 says, but the wisdom that comes from above leads us to be friendly. So where is God leading us in this world? God's leading us toward being friendly. Where's wisdom leading us in this world? Towards being friendly. Not making mates, making friends. Making friends, making friends. Lastly, sow seeds of friendliness. I love this scripture, Galatians chapter 6. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Again, Song of Solomon, chapter 5. This is my lover. This is my friend. This is my lover. This is my friend. We need to sow seeds of friendliness everywhere that we go. And we need to stop looking for mates and start focusing on friendships. Now, I want to say something, then I want to bring a bunch of people up here and, and do something just a little bit different as I close this out. First of all, see that big blue box over there? Some of you over here won't be able to see it, but there's a blue box on there, and uh, there's some blank... Well, there's actually... Writing on one side of the paper, ignore the writing, and look at the blank side. If we have not covered something in this relationship series that you want covered, or you want to, us to try to speak about something next week as it pertains to dating and being single, write me a note here, drop it in that blue box. We really want to hear from you. A lot of what I'm talking about today has to do with our singles brainstorming that we held last week. And for the 30-plus of you that came last week to Camille's, thank you. This was just a huge huge help to me. I really appreciate all the input. So your input is really, really important. Um, so we want to maybe talk about next week about how to move, because this question really came up. How do you move somebody from being a friend to being more than a friend? Uh, I don't know how to do that, and so you all pray for me this week. Maybe we'll figure that out. <laughs> all right. So uh, here's what I want to do now. Those of you who know you're coming up, come on up. And uh, everybody else, if you'll take your bulletin and you'll flip it to this page here that says ways to connect. We want to tell you some ways to connect real quick, okay? All right. What's that? Ah, okay. All right. We got a square. Okay. All right. You got it on. You on the page? The ways. Uh, the ways to connect here, everybody. Okay. Here we go. All right. So first of all, we're going to give you a bunch of ways how to uh, how to make some friends how to make some new friends. So whether you're single or you're married, it is God's will, clearly, it is God's will for you to have friends and for you to make friends. So here is some new stuff that you can do. We're fully behind it. We're going to give you some things that you actually can put in place today in your life. All right? The first thing is the newcomer's dinner. If you've never been to a newcomer's dinner, you've been coming to Grace, I don't care how long you've been coming to Grace and you've never been to a newcomer's dinner, we want to connect with you. We just want to be friends. We're not going to have you, you know, do anything special that night. There's no plug for you to whatever, you know, we're not going to give you envelopes to send money to the church. There's nothing like that. We have no agenda other than just to make friends. That's next Saturday night at 7.15 at Camille's. You don't have to come to the Saturday night service to come. I have the clipboard. You can come to see me. All right, there's the first thing. The second item is a biblical guide to dating. So here's the young man right here. His name is Ken. And... Uh, I'm not going to let you talk, Ken, because we don't have that much time. So we had talked about letting, we had talked about letting Ken talk. I just want to say this. So it's Wednesday, November the 1st at Ken's house. Now, Ken is a young, strapping lad here, single. Ken drives a BMW. Not that you want to... 
Not that you want to date for the wrong relationships. I mean, reasons, right? Motives and that kind of stuff. But, it, you know, I'm just, I'm just giving you information. So read about it. Please see Ken. So, Ken, can you, Ken's going to just hang out. You going to hang out in the back? So please come and see Ken. He's a, he's a great guy. There's Ken. Uh, uh, Saturday, November the 4th. Who's going to talk about this? The wine and cheese. We want to identify more with our Episcopalian brothers and sisters. And so we're going to have a wine and cheese night. And uh, who's what? Are you guys? You talking to you? I'm not going to let you talk, but are you, you're, are you the focal point? Yes. This is Mike and Rita Hopper. And uh, Mike and Rita are going to host, but it's not at your house. It's at Tom's house. Stand. No, no, you have to stand up, Tom, please. Tom. He's a good-looking man, but he's married. And it's uh, <laughs> on there, wine and cheese, and you can read anything you want to say about that. Is there anything we need to say? It's all information in the bulletin, right? Yeah. So please come out. It's adults only. That doesn't, it, you know, doesn't mean if you're married, you can come, right? You, it's all for everybody. But don't bring your kids with you. We don't want kids, okay? So no kids. Uh, drinking with Jesus. If you've been to a drinking with Jesus in the past, uh, we changed the format a little bit. We do a trivia thing last time. The format was great, so we encourage you. The next one is Tuesday, November 7th. All right, um, event planners needed. So Kezia couldn't be here today because she's working. Here's the idea behind this. The church wants to get behind uh, doing a big event uh, for connecting. And we're talking about, you know, maybe renting the Clarendon Ballroom, bringing in a band, bringing in a comedian, maybe having, you know, how they have speed dating. We wouldn't do speed dating. We'd do a speed friending thing. You know, actually, that's it's something in New York City, and it's hitting Washington, D.C. now. I just read an article about it that, you know, they have speed friending deals. So maybe we could do something. But I'm thinking big. The, the thing I'm thinking about is big. We would network with a lot of people and hopefully pack the place out. Here's what it comes down to. The grace is totally behind doing this. We need, and Kezia is the first person who said she'll work with this, and I think Holly, Holly's, uh, are you here? Holly, you're, are you working with Kezia on this? Okay, so um, to do a huge event, I, I feel we need at least six or seven really good people to be on the team to pull this off. And if there's six or seven people who want to have a big blowout massive event, we're behind it and we're going to do it, and the information for Kezia is here, or you can see Purple Sweater, Okay. <laughs> right there and it was in the video was in the videotape okay uh last thing mentors for singles here's what so here's what got me uh last week at the brainstorming session i was i was really i didn't think this was going to happen but the singles said this we really want to be mentored and coached and in a relationship with married people uh you know to have them guide us and direct us and it kept coming up i thought wow so we have a couple different couples, you know, and we're willing, obviously, to add more couples. But I know we got uh, Jennifer and Fernando here, nice young, young man here, and Mike and Rita, Roger and Holly, and uh, Rob, his I'm wife, his wife, is, his wife has left him for the day. She's home, she's homesick with the kids. But to, to mentor, there's really not a strict program right there. They're just going to just kind of talk with you and pray with you about all of this. I mean, how cool was that, you know, going to be? And, you know, Jennifer, she could tell you how she snagged uh, Fernando. She could, think about it, ladies. You could snag your own Fernando. Thank you. You'll get, to hear their, you'll get to hear their stories, you know. There's great stories out there, everybody. I mean, these guys met salsa dancing over prayer and salsa is how they met, prayer and salsa. So it's really cool. So uh, please make sure that you connect. All the information is here, but they'll be around after the service. We really connect, everybody. Whether you're married or... 
Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So Amanda, Amanda is the connection, and it's in your here for, for beca- you know, getting hooked up with a mentor. Does that make sense? So Amanda's information is here, and Amanda will hook you up with the right. She'll analyze you as a single person, and she's going to hook you. She's going to hook you up to the right. Thank you. Amanda is one of them. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, so let me just wrap this up by, by saying this. We really want you to make a friend. And if you're single here and you've been worried about making a mate, I just want to ask you to consider shifting your focus to making friends. And if you're married here, you need to make friends too because I believe it's God's will for our lives to make friends. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for everybody standing up here and for everybody in this room. And God, I just pray that you would help us, uh, Lord, to walk in your will, to walk in your ways, uh, to make friends, to show ourselves friendly, to find that life of fulfillment and joy, God, that you have for us. God, there is more to this life than just living and dying. There is friendship. There are friendships, God, that can make life so much fulfilling, more fulfilling. Our connection with you, our connection with those around us. Help us, God, to find them in Jesus' name. Amen.